0: As a parent, I've noticed a strange phenomenon over the last couple years. My daughter often likes to pretend to be a baby. She'll goo goo. She'll raid her dresser for her old bottles, which we'll have to watch her with because she likes to put them in her mouth. She'll try to find her old pacifiers. And it's not just her, one of her daycare friends also enjoys pretending to be a baby. It's as if she longs for the good old days, when she was one. When she didn't have to ask for anything, when her every need was met without question. My four-year-old seems to be nostalgic. Of course, as we get older, we know that we can get even more nostalgic. Many of us view our childhoods through rose-colored lenses, even if they, weren't, they were difficult. It was a simpler time, we might say to ourselves, a time when certain technologies weren't nearly as widespread, just put whatever technologies you might think of into there, uh, when families would stick together, a time of long summer nights, of apple pie, fireworks, hot dogs, sledding in the winter, hot chocolate, and Santa Claus. Does it sound familiar? Or many of the movies and TV shows might, we might watch, or have watched, are also rooted in, in nostalgia. Nostalgia is a big part of pop culture. Stranger Things, That 70s Show, That 90s Show, A Christmas Story, Stand By Me, probably one of the best nostalgic films. American Graffiti, another one. Pleasantville, Meet Me in St. Louis, the good old days before World War I. Whatever generation we're in, there is something about many of us that longs for days gone by. And nowhere have I found this nostalgia to be more strongly rooted than in the church. Not long after the 2016 election, a member came into my office, upset about a new communion setting we were learning. His reaction seemed real, much stronger than the situation seemed to call for. After all, it was just a new musical setting. I asked him why he was so upset, and what he has said stuck with me. In a world gone crazy... I want just one thing to stay the same. I want just one thing to stay the same. And I could get to that. You can just get to the depth of the feeling there. Of course, we're not immune either. Well, many congregations might long for the so-called glory days of the 50s and 60s, when the Sunday schools were packed and the churches were full. Even younger congregations like ours, might feel nostalgic too, from time to time. This might touch on a sore spot, but it's just an observation, so take it for what it's worth. Remember the beginning of 2013, when this beautiful new sanctuary was built? Pastor Grant was still here. There were more youth and families. Before the various kerfuffles, before COVID, Have any of you ever thought about that time as kind of a golden time? Wanted to return to that? The point is that we can all get stuck in the past from time to time, wondering what might have been. And the church at Rome may be wondering something similar. Their old life, Whatever they had lived before is gone. And now they are in a new community centered around Jesus Christ. And being in a new community calls for a new way of life. Paul, after all, is preaching nothing less than the death of one's old life and the expectation of new life in Christ. But living into that new life can be scary. There's always the temptation of unbelief. How do I know, after all, that I will indeed have new life in Christ? How do I know that I have been freed from sin if I keep sinning all the time? And why would I even want to stop? As Paul wrote in 520, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Right? Why not sin so that grace may abound? Or in a peace of doggerel from pastor Roll. this is good i remembered it i wrote it down freed from the law oh happy condition i can sin as i please and still have remission i know my old life after all i know it Even if I don't like my old life, there's something comforting about the known nature of it. It might be miserable, but at least I know what it feels like. A new life in Christ is a radical unknown, beyond my wildest dreams. Perhaps this is the bigger bigger obstacle to faith than any historical question about the Bible or the Christian story. It is so difficult to even begin to imagine... What such a fulfilled life in Christ will look like. By the way, the band will sing a song about this later. Yet such a new life in Christ doesn't depend on our imagination doesn't depend on us in any way. It doesn't depend on anything we could possibly conceive, build, or perform. It doesn't depend on the pastor's preaching or pastoral care. It doesn't depend on the band's musical talents. It doesn't depend on the giving of the church's members. It doesn't depend on the participation of of the members in various teams and committees. All those things are good, by the way. But it doesn't depend on them. Our new life in Christ also doesn't depend on the number of members we have or the number of children we have, or youth, or families. It doesn't depend on the amount of money we have in the bank. Our new life in Christ is dependent on one thing, our baptism. You see, however long ago you were baptized, a miracle happened when that happened. Doesn't matter if you remember it or not. You were called and claimed as God's own child, God's own daughter, God's own son, out of nothing but God's love for you. At this font or one like it, you drowned. You died. You sank deep into the Jordan's watery abyss, far from light or life, far from hope, far from help. You sank down into hell to put it plainly. And then God raised you up. God raised you up. God raised you out of the Jordan and clothed you in a new garment of right relationship between you and God and you and your neighbor. It's a garment that takes a lifetime to grow into because it is the very garment of Christ. It's like a child wearing mommy or daddy's clothes trying to wear their shoes, and they're always several sizes. They're way too big, and they look silly. But that child will eventually grow. And we will grow into that garment of righteousness, into Christ's very image. Baptism is the end of any kind of nostalgia, because in it the old is killed and the new takes root and is given to grow. Of course, as the theologian Karl Barth once wrote, the old Adam or Eve is a notoriously strong swimmer. Even though the old self, with all its misplaced hopes, desires, false gods, has been drowned, the ugly head still resurfaces from time to time. Sometimes it seems to run amok. Paul will get into this later in chapter 7 when he laments, For I do not do the thing that I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Don't we find ourselves doing the same? Yet the re-emergence of the old Adam or Eve is nothing more than the twitches of a corpse. Nothing more. In Christ, the victory over sin has been won once for all so what to do when the twitches reemerge? what to do when we fall when we sin time and time again the answer is clear we remember that we are baptized we are baptized we are called claimed sealed as christ's own we belong to god we're always growing into christ's image we take time to confess our sins to God, trusting that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There's a reason that we have that time for confession and that very long silence at the beginning. Because it's healthy to take account of the ways in which we have failed and which we can't, and to remind ourselves that we are indeed forgiven and given a fresh start. We might also do this with a trusted friend. We might unburden ourselves, even to a pastor. Uh, Private confession has fallen out of favor in the Lutheran churches, but I will just say that I've always found it cleansing when I have found a fellow pastor and said, I need you to hear what I've got to say. But most of all, we remember that the old is gone. Whatever nostalgia we had toward our old lives or the way things used to be can be brought to an end. Because in Christ, the new is here. And in him, we are always being made new. Thanks be to God. Amen.